No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello. And welcome to You're Dead 2, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and joining me again this week on the program is nobody. Once again, I am continuing the streak of having no guests on. I do have some lined up for the future. Like I said, coming up, uh, I am excited to have that start happening again. Um, I've been talking about stuff that I've wanted to talk about here and kind of jumping from subject to subject, but I do like talking to people and want to get back into the swing of getting other people's opinions on this because I am only one person. I am only so fascinating, so I need to be able to broaden my horizons and bring you, I don't know, more diverse, more engaging content that's not just me yelling at a microphone on my own for half hour every week. But then again, this is a vanity project, isn't it? This is just me talking out loud to nobody in particular. Sometimes there's somebody here with me, but generally I'm just talking to the basement. So before I jump in, as always, if you have questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, please send a note to yourdead2, Y-O-U-R-E-D-E-A-D-T-O-O at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter or Instagram at yourdead2. I'm out there. I'm reading stuff. It's weird. It's horrible. Uh happy to hear from anybody because that is the only way I'm going to know how I'm doing aside from reviewing and writing on various sites, um, the iTunes store, Spotify, Podbean, uh, Blueberry, wherever you're listening to this. Let me know how I'm doing. Give me some feedback because again, I want to make sure I'm doing a sufficient professional job for those listening out there. But again, I'm happy talking to avoid. I just want to make sure I'm doing the best version of it I can for the weird world out there. Um, So thank you, as always. But before I get any further, I want to quickly address what I talked about last week with the coronavirus and my love of conspiracies. It was quickly pointed out to me that despite my um, insistence, I'm obviously monitoring and paranoid, but those numbers that I conspiratorially mentioned that were... uh, erroneously dropped into the monitoring websites that were supposedly the actual numbers versus the ones that were being told to the public. Um, If you look at the number of people quarantined at the time of the error, and then you look at the number of people that were uh, actually infected, it's basically as though those two columns just accidentally slid into the other columns of uh, infected and uh, casualties from the actual virus itself. So I'm quickly willing to admit I am an idiot, and that is a very logical explanation. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the joy of conspiracy theories is that Occam's razor is usually just like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's uh, that's something that hadn't been pointed out to me, and as soon as I saw that, I thought, hmm, yep, that would cover it, and I didn't really think of that. Unless something has substantially changed, those numbers are continuing to be accurately reflected in the cases reported and the cases... Um, quarantined and given to the public so that we are able to see what is happening. You know, I don't want to uh, cause any alarmism or, you know, fear-mongering. I just was curious about what that blip was on the reporting of the numbers because, frankly, I am just watching this to see what happens. It's not something that's going to be going away anytime soon, unfortunately, and I'm I'm fascinated by a pandemic and a viral outbreak and a disaster movie, and this is all those things wrapped together in one horrible clue. Before I jump into this week's subject, just want to talk about something that happened here locally that I uh, had on the Twitter feed in the last week that 
there was an apartment in Minneapolis that the residents were noticing some kind of sludge coming from the ceiling. And I've been in my share of grody apartments. I can appreciate that. Uh, I I lived in a basement apartment for a, about a year or so after college, and it was just yeah, not good. That was the only time I'd had uh, an issue with mice back when I first moved in. Oh, God, it was just it was terrible. Um, that phase of my life is over. <laughs> it was over a decade ago. But I know what it's like to have kind of a grungy apartment. I'm not saying I'm above anything by any means. Uh, but the, these people were in a, a fairly nice building. There was no reason to be concerned about it, but there was just some sludge coming from the ceiling that they thought, oh, God, what is this sewage? What is draining down here? What's dripping? Um, wasn't water. They uh, they couldn't tell what it was. It was some kind of dark, sticky substance. And, yeah, uh, if you have any idea where this is going, kudos. I'm sorry. This is horrible. But the maintenance for the building went in and inspected the apartment unit directly above them, and they quickly put it together. Okay, there's nothing leaking here. That strange, terrible odor is, in fact, the resident of this apartment that died and is now decomposing and whose body uh, gave way. And some of the fluids were going through the layers of the floor. So the residents downstairs had effectively a dead person's blood pouring down into their apartment. I was horrified and amazed and enthralled. And it's all out there on Twitter if you want to see it. I know the City Pages website had it. Woof. It was... Woof! There were pictures. It was upsetting. Um, not of the dead person, obviously, but of the... what it looked like coming into the apartment. Oof. Apparently the... Uh, maintenance person because their primary concern was with whether or not there was a gas leak because of the smell they had to basically uh the way the rights worked out with being able to access the apartment without somebody's consent when it's you know a rented property they had to basically go in and immediately turn off the gas and walk back out without being able to check for what was causing the smell and uh contacted the authorities and had them brought in to verify yes that is in fact a dead and unfortunately decomposing person in the apartment so i um yeah, I'm as I'm telling this story out loud now, I'm realizing how gnarly it was, and hopefully I haven't really turned anybody off too fast, but that was an amazing story that I read out there on the internet this week. So that's the kind of stuff, if you've got weird stuff like that to send me on the internet, let me know, because that was, that was out there. That happened. That was a wild read. Um, yeah, let me know what you think about that. That was crazy. Anyway, this week I wanted to talk about dying at home, or rather not dying at home. In contrast to last week's episode, which was about the fact that Americans on the whole are dying more at home, this is more an inverse look at trying not to die at home. Meaning, there are many ways your house is trying to kill you, and some people have better success with that than others as far as surviving and uh, not being taken by their house. I'm somebody who I have through my own clumsiness and just sheer will of stupidity, have uh, nearly killed myself several times in my own home to the point where I can kind of laugh at it, but also it's a bit of a problem and I'm concerned that insurance companies will think things are suspicious if I ever do truly die from some clumsy, dumb accident. So before I stick my foot in my mouth any further, I'm just going to let 
this go and let's just jump into it. So like I said, ways to not die at home. Uh, as I was doing all of my Googling and research last week about looking at how and why Americans are dying at home, I kept coming across my own idiotic misgoogling in that I was uh, I found myself getting results for like types of accidents in the home and the reasons Americans die in the home, falls in the home, things like that. And I was like, oh, right, no, I'm... I'm looking for uh, the overall concept of dying at home and not the literal act of dying at home. But the more I got to thinking about it, it became this weird inverse polarity version of, yeah, it's this nice peaceful thing that Americans are able to die at home, but also that is literally just the most common thing is dying at home. So I started reading up further on that to see what is the deal. <laughs> What's the deal with dying at home? No, so I was at first just kind of fascinated, like, well, what are all the reasons? And then the more I read into it, it became kind of this interesting, just basic factual, oh, okay, this is an, kind of an interesting play on the information that I had. So the long and short of it is the reason most people die at home is because that's where we spend the most time. Uh, that's, it's, it's where we dwell. It's our nest. It's our, it's our residence. This is where we are. This is where we are going to be if something happens, unless there's an emergency or we're out doing something. It's just a strange thing to think that this is how something as benign as just like a lip in the carpet or um, a bit of water on the floor could take you out. So I started reading into this and the two most common places or like the leading cause of accidents and death in the home bathroom and kitchen. Now, it may at first glance kind of be obvious of like, well, oh, duh, okay, you slip and fall in the bathroom and you hurt yourself in the kitchen, right? But that's not the beginning and end of the story. There's certainly more to it than that. So uh, let's look at it in a little more detail. So kitchen and bathroom, those are going to be the two primary places that we're having accidental death in the home. In the bathroom, it's, well, no, let's get to the bathroom in a second. Kitchen, first and foremost, many people, I think, think of knives, which certainly that is a possibility that uh, thousands of people have to go to the ER every year with uh, accidental knife wounds from cooking, cutting, just any kind of preparation. There's lots of sharp things. Uh, mandolins for vegetable slicing are a particular danger. I've certainly given myself my own version of avocado hand, which is when you're holding an avocado, slicing through, and you just cut right through to your hand. I haven't actually gotten too deep into my own hand, but I've definitely given myself a little slice doing that. Uh, tomatoes, I've done that as well, where I've just been slicing and I just get a little too aggressive or a little too confident, and whoop! So having good knife technique, you want to keep your knuckles over your fingertips and kind of, obviously you can't see what I'm doing here, but you spider hand and then lean the hand over and then you slice there. So um, knife safety is important and something that I learned in my years working in the service industry. <laughs> I was never a chef. I was never anywhere close to competent in the kitchen until much later, but I was told quickly because I was basically washing dishes all the time, a falling knife has no handle. And um, in my uh, well, in my tenure as a server and a dishwasher, that was never an issue. Thankfully, I would just let them go. But uh, in my own home, as I have a wood floor in my kitchen, I want to ensure that I'm not destroying my own kitchen as I'm doing the dishes. I have certainly, in my um, 
either carelessness or one too many glasses of wine before doing the dishes will drop a knife and I have thought for a second oh quick grab it especially now that I have a little one running around who is always thankfully out of the kitchen when I'm doing anything like this because I know I'm an idiot um no you just you gotta let the knife go if you drop a knife just let it go to the floor try to get out of the way don't let it hit your feet don't let it hit your hands don't try to grab it you will slice your fingers right off the other thing certainly that comes to mind is anything related to the stove. Uh, if you are fortunate enough to have a gas stove, if there's any kind of a gas leak, that is the A number one danger to watch out for, especially in, uh, well, I guess I don't know if that's inherently true with living in the Midwest in colder climates, especially. I don't think that has anything to do with a gas leak. Maybe carbon monoxide, that that's particular to us. But for a stove, I don't think so. But point is, you could have a gas leak. That's bad. Um, I lived in an apartment building, not the mouse one that I was referring to earlier, um, that was over a restaurant, and at one point our neighbors woke us up and, uh, said, do you smell that? We should, we should probably get out, and it was the restaurant had left their, um, either their oven or their, uh, stovetop on, and there was just, it was, the entire building was filled with gas. I don't know how there wasn't an explosion because there were, everybody had turned on lights at some different point and, you know, somebody called uh, emergency services from inside the building before we all got outside, but that was definitely a uh, there but for the grace of God go I experience of, shouldn't we all be dead if we all did this like idiots leaving the building? So natural gas is nothing to play around with. Um, obviously burns, uh, being scalded, being uh, in contact with the oven itself. I've given myself cuts and burns and blisters using <laughs> any kind of baking equipment. I tend to just burn myself even if I have oven mitts on. I'm able to just really um, get focused on the wrong part of it and just somehow bump my arms against the oven. But So those are the, the primary things people think of in the kitchen. There are other things that could certainly be harmful. Um, like I said, scalding. I have a friend and past guest on this podcast who I will not uh, name names or out for their own sense of pride if they want to share the experience sometime they certainly can but I had a guest on the podcast who actually uh, had a pretty bad injury with uh, spilling boiling water and causing uh, third degree burns on their foot and I mean that was just a small pot of boiling water with nothing in it there could have been literally anything in there or any kind of um, lower no higher viscosity liquid that stuck worse than water and could have caused serious, serious damage. But uh, just straight up boiling water can cause serious damage. So the kitchen is a place where there are many hazardous things. You've got things that can actively harm you. The bathroom, it's a little more insidious and a little more unknown. Or rather, uh, less explicit. What's the word for that? Hidden? I don't know. I'm a moron. Anyway, point is, in the bathroom, it's not as straightforward. You certainly may just slip and fall, right? That's the thing about bathrooms is that there's going to be water everywhere. You want to make sure that you've got a stable manner of getting in and out of the tub and or shower. So <laughs> get some big daisy decals and put them on the tub. No, you want to make sure that you're not just dripping water everywhere. Get a bath mat and dry off when you get out of it. But slipping and falling, I'm 36 I've certainly, you know, I have big, flat, wide feet that 
keep me pretty well planted on the ground like a duck, but I've certainly slipped my own share getting out of the shower. Or if you're just tired and groggy in the night and you don't turn on a light, you could certainly trip over something and slip and fall, crack your head, and uh, if you're living alone, nobody's going to come find you. That's one of the dangers of being in the bathroom is just slipping and falling. Uh, the other thing, obviously, with the water is the scalding that we talked about and <laughs> keeping your water heater turned to 120 degrees or less. That's generally the way to get that done. Um, but as far as people dying in the bathroom, I did notice that uh, we as Americans don't have a lot of soft rounded edges in bathrooms. It's all hard corners, sharp edges, and uh, porcelain and tile. Um, that's you know, pretty uh, ethnocentric uh, cultural views on my part, but it it says something about the way that we handle bathrooms, and it's kind of the uh, looking at the Bill Gates thing where he's willing to pay X amount of dollars to whoever can invent a better, more effective, uh, less water-intensive version of a toilet because the way that we figured it out, um, it's pretty straightforward and works best with porcelain, which is cold, hard, and uh, heavy. So certainly any kind of slip and fall, you're going to have a big whack on some hard porcelain that'll really do some damage to you, especially if you're older and frailer. Uh, the other thing about the bathroom is that if you're getting dressed or undressed or getting up from the toilet or getting down, there's just the possibility of slipping and falling. It's, you know, you're... It's why old people have special socks that don't have as many um, uh, seams on them because it's just those little things that can make you trip and fall. It's just this incident where you are going from vertical to sitting that you're likely to just tip or slip or just sit down wrong and you can, again, crack your skull or just fall and get hurt in the wrong way. Um, lumped in with the bathroom is accidental medication overdose, which... Again, certainly can be a problem with the elderly, but it's, I don't think, meant to be included in drug overdose like heroin or prescription drug abuse. It's more so like people getting confused and taking the wrong medication twice or mixing up their wrong daily medications and suddenly that they're tipping over from feeling some kind of uh, overdose or sickness. But I don't think they're necessarily counting that specifically. No comments of both kitchen and bathroom are the fun notions of poisoning and bacteria. So for poisoning, I remember from a very early age being forbidden from the cabinets under the sink. That was where my parents kept all of the fascinating household cleaners that had all sorts of interesting colors and chemicals inside them. They had it locked with, not a padlock, but it was like a white thing. It was a child safety latch from the 80s that I kind of remember the shape of it. Um, it's super scary having a kind of helpless little person running around your house who's curious about things but knowing none of the dangers of it. You have to really uh, vigilantly lock down everything. And that was a real fun experience with my wife of running around the house like, okay, you are eight months pregnant. How do we effectively childproof this house now that we've been talking about it and planning it? Like, And the things that we would still miss even after uh, bringing a child home from the hospital that you just you don't think about because you're not at that point. It's so hard to visualize that life. But uh, with the kitchen, 
those chemicals are oftentimes kept under the sink. I don't know what it is about people that we have this instinctual thing of like, here's the sink, here's where we keep the cleaners right next to it. But wherever those chemicals are, they are a huge risk for poisoning because they are just super, super deadly and they happen to look amazing. They look pretty in the bottle. So I guess kids are enticed to drink them. It's it's terrible and terrifying, but uh, that's, I mean, it's a fact of life. And I don't know how you would confuse that with uh, maybe with dementia or Alzheimer's that you confuse it with a food product of some kind or if there's a translation issue or a literacy issue that you don't know what something is I mean I know that at one point um, antifreeze tastes sweet if you're using it to poison somebody I think I saw that on a dateline so you know some of these chemicals you might not know that they're poisonous when consuming them so it's it's important to have things labeled and have things locked away and keep it safe um in the bathroom, that's certainly possible as well. That's where some of the more intensive cleaners are applied because that's where some of the nastier stuff happens, I guess. You need, you know, bleach or various chemicals to get things sanitized and safe, and that's, you're going to have the same thing, and people don't think about putting safety locks or child locks on a bathroom cabinet like they would a kitchen cabinet, but, you know, razor blades, nail clippers, scissors, tweezers, whatever have you, sharp objects in the bathroom, that's also a factor that could be... Uh, cause of death that's what is this is what's making these rooms the leading causes the number one champs in accidental deaths um the other shared one between bathroom and kitchen being uh bacteria so as i alluded to uh plenty of unpleasantness happens in the bathroom where people are their most animalistic and uh <laughs> the least evolved versions of ourselves as possible there is simply uh potential for spreading of bacteria, and if you're not cleaning properly, any kind of uh, compromised immune system or open wound, you could get some kind of bacteria in your body and get develop an infection or develop a disease, and that's all it takes. Um, similarly with the kitchen, if you're not uh, sanitizing and scrubbing down your surfaces when you're done preparing food, uh, cleaning your dishes properly, um, I know as somebody who cooks a lot, handling raw chicken, it just feels like I'm cooking with dynamite all the time because I'm just obsessively washing my hands. Pork is another thing where you just, you have to be so meticulous and cannot undercook it. Um, I'm always fascinated with that thin line of how your body can tolerate something versus how it can. The idea of eating beef tartare and yet uh, you have to have a steak cooked to a certain point or a burger cooked to a certain point, but you can just straight up eat raw beef, which is just, uh, it's weird stuff that the body handles what's thrown at it in one way and not in another. Um, eggs, similarly. Um, making brownies and cookies with my kiddo, it's uh, something that we have to be mindful of, of, like, okay, here's how you crack an egg, but now we're going to wash, 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 wash. Um, and then the flip side to these the bacteria in the bathroom and kitchen is if you're cleaning them up in a way that is... Theoretically, environmentally conscious, you are likely using a sponge, which is going to be a disgusting bacteria house uh, that you are just spreading bacteria everywhere if you are not properly sanitizing a sponge, which seems counterintuitive. It's like, what? how do I wash a washcloth? Isn't it clean with the soap? Like, no, you still have to wash it. That's how it, it you, you need to wash the thing that's washing. Otherwise, it's just this bad cycle of you spreading germs everywhere. So my understanding is you can put a uh, sponge in the microwave for something like 10 seconds and it just neutralizes everything. But uh, if you are, uh, you know, not using any kind of disposable towels or anything, just make sure that you are not spreading fresh sludge everywhere. So those are the two main, uh, the main culprits for accidental death in the home. 
I actually found uh, a couple of different articles that were interesting reads about dying in the home and different ways to prevent it. I actually found an interesting article on safewise.com, uh, a safety blog for the home. <laughs> it's interesting stuff. It's about, it's home security, home automation, home safety, kind of stuff like that. Um, so, you know, they've got a particular bend at which they're looking through the world's lenses. But uh, there's an article called Fear Versus Reality, Which Household Action Should You Worry About? Written by Rebecca Edwards. They last updated it, uh, according to today's records, uh, June 18th of... 2019 top five fatal household injuries in the u.s according to this article uh number one poisoning so we kind of talked about that people are more medicated than ever that can certainly be a source of uh death john get it together uh falling we talked about uh choking especially if you're living alone uh that can be a real risk drowning uh we didn't really talk about that at all but that is i'm guessing alluding more to this is horrible, but children in the tub, and then fires or burns, which um, can certainly start in the kitchen, but not necessarily have to. But this interesting article is about uh, the findings of surveys dealing with fear versus reality, um, where people have higher concerns or lower concerns versus the reality of it actually happening and how it plays out geographically. So looking at household accidents with the level of concern, the highest level of concern, it's listed as West Virginia. Am I reading this right? Yeah, 25% was the higher end of the trend. And the most fatalities by state was West Virginia. Household accidents, most fatal household accidents, number one was West Virginia, which is interesting. I don't know what to attribute that to. Then New Mexico, then Wisconsin, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Huh. I'm not sure what that is about with those five. What? common factors would tie those in together but states with the least household injury fatalities maryland california new york texas and utah now i have a theory on the five least likely to have a fatal household accident other than maryland i'm not sure but california new york texas and utah i'm willing to bet people are so vigilant about earthquakes and earthquake proofing their homes in california that there is additional structural integrity done, a reinforcement done to a home, as well as the fact that, no, that no, I'm going to leave it at the earthquake thing, but Texas and Utah, I bet that there's enough land there that people are able to build flatter homes. Are they not doing as many multi-level homes that uh, you're less likely to fall going down the stairs? Possibly. I don't know. In New York, my other idea was that if there's just less square footage in a home in New York, you probably don't have the square footage to have an accident, that uh, you can't fall down if you don't have room to fall over. I sound like a moron, and I'm fully willing to accept that. A little more info from the article. Top five most fatal household injuries in the U.S. are, in order from most fatal to least, poisoning, falls, choking, suffocation, uh, drowning, and fires or burns. Uh, every year around 40,000 people die as a result of car crashes, but that's just 25% of all deaths due to accident. Household accidents result in death three times more than motor vehicle crashes. Uh, injury is the leading cause of death for people under 45 years old. Did not know that. One person dies from an injury every three minutes. That's around 214,000 people every year. But millions of people who sustain injuries survive. So that's interesting to see what, uh, like, 
in this country we have a problem with uh, gun violence or there's a vaping epidemic or the coronavirus going around, 214,000 people getting injured fatally in the home, and yet we still don't talk about falling at home more. Hmm. Men are almost twice as likely to die from an injury-related accident than women. And I'm wondering if that has to do with self-reporting, arrogance, possibly, men not wanting to cop to the fact that they've done something stupid and fallen and hurt themselves. Drugs and alcohol poisoning, number one most fatality states, again, West Virginia, and then Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New Mexico, New Hampshire. So some recurring names there. Least fatalities for drug and alcohol poisoning, Maryland, South Dakota, North Dakota, Hawaii, Nebraska. Interesting. Huh. Now, carbon monoxide poisoning is the second most worrisome household accident on the state of safety, their survey. Uh, top five states for failed drug and alcohol poisoning are among those showing the lowest level of concern. So it's almost as though they're just not aware of it and it's causing more death. Uh, carbon monoxide is a particularly dangerous thing here in the Midwest, dealing with our furnaces and the fact that we shut our houses up like drums in the winter. Uh, if you have any kind of a gas leak, it, you, yeah, it's bad. You won't know what's happening. Uh, falls, most fatalities. Uh, Wisconsin is number one. Vermont, South Dakota, Minnesota, New Mexico. I think the fact that Wisconsin, South Dakota, and Minnesota are in the top five I'm willing to bet that those are in there partially related to shoveling or stepping on ice outside the home and slipping and falling and cracking your skull on the sidewalk. I'm willing to bet that's why those are there. And prove me wrong, Internet. Uh, least fatalities for falls, Alabama. I don't think they have basements like we do in Alabama. Alaska, New Jersey, Louisiana, and California. Hmm. Yeah, basements are a very Midwestern thing, I should clarify. That's why I think that we're the only people that have them. Uh, choking and suffocation, most fatalities. Mississippi, South Carolina, Louisiana, West Virginia, Tennessee. Least fatalities for choking. California, New York, Maryland, New Hampshire, and Utah. I don't know what to make of that info. Household accidents for drowning. Most fatalities is Alaska. Second is Hawaii. I'm wondering, because I'm an idiot, is that because people have homes close to the beach and that counts as part of their household? I genuinely don't know. I sound like a moron. Oh, see, Florida's number three, so maybe that's, maybe, honest to God, maybe that's why. Louisiana, again, coastal. And then Oklahoma, least fatalities, New York, nobody can have a tub. Uh, Delaware, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Hmm. Fires or burns, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Not to paint with too broad of a brush, but I wonder if people are having fires outside or grilling. Because certainly the dumbest stuff I've ever pulled in my life has been not being careful enough around a grill. Uh, least fatalities for fires and burns, Utah. They're a very religious and conservative state, and fire is the devil's territory. Hawaii, they're in the ocean. Fire doesn't work in the ocean. I'm sorry, that's horribly offensive to both. Uh, New Hampshire, Washington, Vermont. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what to make heads or tails of some of this stuff.
But they do have, later on in the article, safety tips. Here's to prevent accidental poisoning. Keep poisons like household cleaners, alcohol, and medications locked up. Use sensors with sirens on the liquor cabinet and medicine cabinet. I, for the life of me, cannot recall a single person in my life who had an audible sensor on their liquor cabinet. Um, then again, I don't know. I had some real shithead friends when I was younger, and maybe... Uh, no, I can't see anybody's parents having them. I certainly didn't hear about anybody getting in trouble for them. Uh, same with the medicine. Oh, it's sad for the medicine cabinet, too. That's just the state of America is that we have a prescription drug problem here. Uh, don't reuse milk or juice cartons for other purposes. You? Yeah, don't. Don't. I Again, I don't want to be wasteful, but when those are done, throw those or recycle them. Educate your children about the safety hazards of household cleaners, drugs, and alcohol. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I had the Mr. Yuck stickers when I was a kid. Safety tips to prevent falls. Use safety gates on stairs to keep babies and toddlers safe. Certainly will advocate for that. Uh, advocate, aggravating though they may be, they are absolutely essential. I can certainly, certainly speak to that at length. Uh, use rug pads to avoid tripping hazards, and I've done that in just about every job I've ever had as well, where there's been any kind of weather rug near the doorway. Or in uh, when I was in the financial world, if I stepped into any of the branches of the bank that I was a uh, uh, person for, uh, I tended to kick up the edges of the carpet because I was a foot shuffler. I wouldn't pick up my feet when I walked. Uh, use grab bars in the bathroom. If you got them, grab them. Uh, this is going to lead to a lot of people grabbing their towel bar and ripping it off. Use night lights in hallways and on stairs. That's prudent. I could see that, especially uh, if you've got young people or old people in the home, uh, or if you're just tired like myself. Add tread to slippery stairs. Yeah, I will certainly say that. If you've got slippery stairs, that's very dangerous. Uh, choking your suffocation safety tips. For babies and younger kids, cut up food into small bites. Um, yeah, it's amazing how small you have to cut food for little ones. Uh, supervise young kids when they're eating. Yeah, that, uh, again, just sit and watch. Be designated. Just focus on what you're doing. Put your phone down. I know it's not, it's hard. People are addicted to their phones. I don't mean this in a pejorative, dismissive way, but yeah, I, I see it. Like, I'm just as bad about it as anybody else. Just put your phone down, monitor your kid. Uh, secure power cords and blind cords to avoid a strangulation hazard. Uh, keep pillows, blankets, and soft toys out of baby cribs. So we, yeah. Uh, how to prevent accidental drowning. Never leave a child unattended around water, including bathtubs, pools, lakes, streams, etc. Yeah, holy cow. Um, that's been... I mean, you just, you see it right away. You're like, oh, this this little thing cannot fend for itself. You can't step away from the tub. It's just way too risky. Um, whenever our friends have gotten together and somebody's got a pool or any kind of water situation is involved, we always have the one person who is just designated watching the kids. Like there is, you are not to be doing anything else. Your job is to sit and watch the kids. You can, you know, make brief conversation with somebody, but like you literally, you are just supposed to sit and stare for safety. Um, kind of remember that being done when I was a kid, uh, but certainly as an adult now, it's, <laughs> it's something that we're all aware of, like, okay, who's on kid duty right now? Um, adding gate sensors to pool areas. I don't have a pool, so I could, maybe that's common sense. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Use water sensors in pool areas to alert you to an unexpected splash. Uh, yeah, I think with the advent of modern technology and our phones everywhere, I'm guessing that's something that has to be done, that you have to have some kind of sensor, like, if you can hear it, like shot spotter in Minneapolis, uh, using proper water safety equipment like life preservers whenever on a boat, fishing, etc. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't feel like I'm a buzzkill, but doing anything nautical, 
Uh, that's definitely, you always have to have life wraps. I don't feel like people are like, you nerd with your life vest. Like, no, you just, you count heads and just like, do we have enough? The whole thing goes over. I mean, you know, maybe I am a square. I don't know. Uh, fires and burns. Don't leave candles or fireplaces unattended. Yeah, I've definitely left candles unattended. I'm not proud of that. I'm, uh, I try to be good about it. I like having a candle going. I have several going when I do this podcast. Um, I need to keep them closely monitored. I'm a moron. Uh, regularly test smoke alarms and change the batteries every six months. That I am vigilant about. Uh, had that really uh, recommended by my better half, and she uh, got me trained to really watch for them and get them replaced and get them uh, monitored. That's just There's uh, no peace of mind like it. Don't leave food or kettles on the stove unattended. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that, if you're cooking, don't leave the house, I guess. I shouldn't have to say that, but seems like you shouldn't just leave something on the stove. And then use safety gates around fireplaces and barbecues if there's little ones around. Again, uh, guys, be mindful of your, I'm not going to raise your kids. Be mindful of this stuff. Watch for what's going on here. So this has been a very weird episode, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate you sticking with me, but I wanted to look at the flip side of the joy of dying at home. Uh, We are striving to not die at home. This has just been 40 minutes of me talking into a void about the very place that we all want to peacefully go. Uh, We're trying not to let get us before it's too soon. I mentioned how I've been an idiot in my own home. I have, let's see, stairs to the basement, stairs from the living room to the entryway, Uh, and then stairs to the second level of the house. There are three staircases in my house. I have fallen down all three, I think at least twice, and I've actually managed to fall up the stairs several times as well. Um, I am a clumsy person. It is not lost on me that alcohol may have been a factor, but also just being excited and walking down the stairs and wanting to talk about something could have been a factor too. I just, I tend to slip and fall down the stairs. I don't know what it is. It's not as bad since I've been wearing shoes around the house, like house shoes, Um, like some sandals just for my knees because I'm an old man already. But yeah, just walking around in socks, I would just eat it constantly. And really, oof, I, one time I actually was holding my cat Friday at the point when I walked up and slipped going up the stairs and just had to like tuck and roll and just about break my shoulder to avoid like landing on my cat and I would have crushed her. Um, homes are dangerous, folks. Please don't kill your house before it kills you. Uh, if you haven't stopped listening by this point, thank you. You do not win a prize, but you earn my respect and my sympathy. And uh, tune in next week where this will make a lot more sense. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>